following program contains language and subject matter that you may consider unsuitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. Greetings, Herfman. Uh, His Highness the Jackal. The Jackal. I'm going to pass the reins to Mr. Jackal, the new king of Virginia. <laughs> I think Jackal's a Latino. I'm not sure, but he'll give it to you, sir. The Jackal. Welcome one, welcome all. Anyone listening from here to the cosmos, you're listening to Inside the Jackal's Head Live back on PSN Radio. This is, of course, Sunday, July 28th, 2019. I'm so excited to be on live with you guys tonight, live from Miami, Florida, sunny South Florida, which has been very rainy the last uh, 72 hours. Not that sunny. You'd be kind of surprised. Uh, now this week I'm gonna go and, uh, post some stuff, uh, that probably are gonna get a few people scared, but don't get scared. Uh, there's a good chance I might need back surgery. And I just found out about this, uh, well, about a week and a half ago. Uh, I haven't, uh, really talked about it much, but I have to see a surgeon this week. I have, uh, you know, some bad news on, uh, the back front, but the good news is, no tumors, uh, just a herniated disc that caused breakage. And uh, we're going to go and uh, take a look at it. I saw I might need spine surgery. That's fine. Having somebody poke your back with a needle and knives and right into the spine. Not looking forward to it, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell everybody what's going on. The websites are getting a facelift if you're listening to us right now on www.psn-radio.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome. That website is going to be uh, seeing a little bit of an upgrade within the next few days. So the way you see it now, it's going to change. Don't freak out about that. It's uh, something we have to do. And uh, also my uh, main website for this show thejackalshead.com also is going to uh, get a little bit of, a, of an upgrade and um, well, it's uh, going to be a lot of work so if I do have to have back surgery, I'm going to probably have uh, something to do for a few days while I recuperate uh, man, I'm really not looking forward to going under, under the knife if you guys want to send me any uh, will wishes, uh, please do so at uh, info at psn-radio.com. Uh, the email for the entire network, again, is info at psn-radio.com. Any personal stuff you want to send me, just go to uh, Inside the Jackal's Head, uh, main website, thejackal.com, actually will take you everywhere. And uh, tonight, during the second hour, I have again the pleasure of bringing in Jeremiah Greer, who needs no introduction if you have actually been following this show for, uh, you know, the long time that it's been on air, which is now going on about, uh, what, 10 years? On and off, because I took several years off from this particular show, as we all know. Uh, I said, I'm going to go on break. And that was a long-ass break. I mean, I took a break like if I was from a third-world uh, country like Baltimore. You know, that, that kind of break. My goodness, have you guys seen what uh, 
what's uh, broken in the last uh, 24, 48 hours within Baltimore. The president, uh, of course, tweeted something to Elijah Cummings, uh, one of the Congress uh, folks who has been very nasty to the commander-in-chief. This man has uh, taken it upon himself since the beginning of the president's uh, presidency. He's gone after the president with impeach 45. It's been, you know, him and the... Maxine Waters and a few of the Congress folks talking about, we got to impeach 45. But this was being said before the man was even 45. Like, he had just, he was like the president-elect. And they're, they were already like, impeach him! Impeach him! We must. And, of course, they recently tried to impeach him. Didn't go through. Al Green failed. And now they want to impeach him for... Something a crowd did, which is hilarious. The crowd, of course, was chanting, Send her back! To uh, Rashada Talib, who has been also very nasty to President Trump. And that happened at a North Carolina rally, which is, ironically enough, um, I think, yeah, that, that's uh, where Jeremiah's uh, joining us from, from the uh, Carolinas. And, uh, you know, uh, it's funny because he didn't say anything racist, but every time it seems that he says anything, people yell, oh, yeah, well, of course, he's he's racist. Mind you. Pelosi now denounced uh, Trump's uh, racist attack on Representative Elijah Cummings. That was the car in the background. Again, I'm not in my usual studio, so the soundproofing is not the greatest. You might eventually, uh, once in a while, hear a car, maybe a motorcycle, maybe my dog uh, Tito having a nightmare, or maybe he needs to walk and uh, he's just going to have to like face the music and chill until the show's over. Uh, but uh, let's get back to this. Pelosi denounces Trump's racist attacks on Republican Elijah Cummings in the city of Baltimore. Now, Trump wasn't talking about the entire state of Maryland or the entire city of Baltimore. He's talking about the section where Elijah Cummings controls, which is a disaster. He's not playing. People in the area themselves are like, well, actually, uh, uh, Trump is, is right, Mr. Uh, Cummings. In fact, that entire area was very uh, upscale. It was nice neighborhoods until Elijah Cummings became the representative of that city, the city of Baltimore. That's how he got into Congress. And he's been uh, sitting in that chair for a very long time. I think he's either leaving soon or hopefully, you know, he gets voted out if, uh, if it's up for election now in 2020. Because this man is a complete disaster. He's a nightmare for the people in Baltimore. Uh, they have gotten, you know, the president gets criticized a lot. And let's be honest, he, he puts a lot of stuff out there. And he critiques people, but he only does 
accurate critiquing. I've noticed that. When he uh, says stuff like this, of course, everybody uh, on the left is going to be like, well, that's racist, because they have no way to defend themselves. So everything he says is racist. But it's complete hypocrisy, because this area is under a complete mess. There's drugs that's everywhere. Poverty is all over the area. There's buildings that are crack buildings, uh, crack house buildings. It's a, it's a nightmare. The president is not lying about this place. But instead of fixing the area and helping the uh, the folks down there, bringing uh, construction jobs, uh, bringing uh, you know, local investors into that area, actually doing your job, Mr. Elijah Cummings, you said on Congress collected hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars over your entire time there, and you've done absolutely nothing. It's a, is a shame. It's uh, like he said, it's a rat infested shithole. It really is. And then, of course, we have uh, this other idiot, Victor Blackwell. The name's appropriate. Uh, he's a CNN uh, anchor, and he choked up reporting on Trump's latest racist Twitter rant. Choked up. Said Donald Trump has tweeted more than 43,000 times. He's insulted thousands of people, but when he tweets about infestations, it's about black and brown people. Reporter Victor Blackwell said, no, how about it's about the actual rat and shithole infestation that is in the Baltimore area? How about instead of crying about a factual tweet, Victor Blackwell, from CNN, stupid asshole, instead of actually crying about the reality of what Trump is saying and saying he's a racist for saying it, how about you become part of the solution and help your friends and brothers out in Baltimore? I mean, this is not rocket science. This is reality. You know, these guys are... Uh, I mean, the, the the hypocrisy is incredible. In fact, it's not, it's not just a black or white thing. In fact, uh, Bernie Sanders, who is... Well, yeah, he's Jewish, but besides that, Pete... And by the way, shout-outs to Pete uh, Dickinson, uh, the uh, producer on the show here. Is, of course, Simon Pete now. We, we don't have him on the air anymore. Uh, he's uh, behind the glass on the other side of the wall... Uh, the other side of uh, cyberspace. Somewhere in the cosmos. But uh, I have audio of... Uh, should, yeah, that's right, Pete. I have audio of Bernie Sanders talking about the president. Now, why I want to play this audio, and, and, and I want everybody to put, really pay close attention to this. You have to hear this. This is Bernie Sanders... Talking about President Trump, the tweets about Baltimore. This is, well, within the last 24 hours, they interviewed him. 
And this is what he had to say. I know you want to talk about issues, but I do uh, also want to talk about what uh, President Trump said about your former colleague in the House, Elijah Cummings, and his district being, quote, a disgusting rat and rodent infested mess that no human being would want to live in. What's your response? Jake, it's, it's unbelievable that we have a president of the United States who attacks uh, American cities, who attacks Americans, who attacks somebody who's a friend of mine. Elijah Cummings is one of the most decent and outstanding members of the House of Representatives. He fights every day to improve life in his community. Uh, I do find it interesting that when we have rural Republican districts where life expectancy is going down, where downtowns are boarded up, where people are struggling, and people are struggling in rural America, they're struggling in urban America, they're struggling in suburban America. Our job is to bring people together to improve life for all people, not to be a have a racist president who attacks people because they are African-Americans. That is a disgrace, and that is why we're going to defeat uh, this president. He obviously thinks... Okay, let me stop it right there. Now, that's Bernie Sanders within the last 48 hours. Uh, you heard right there, he, he called him a racist because uh, the president pointed out that Baltimore, well, it's become uh, kind of a shithole place. But, uh, you know, I start to think, and I do remember... boy. Come on. I do remember... Yeah, that, yeah, Pete, that was him crying like a baby. Uh, yes, remember, guys, liberals right now, all, they have nothing. The Mueller report was a mess. And Trump is pointing out something because Elijah Cummings has been poking at him for many, many months. And a lot of folks on the left, on a daily basis, attack the president. And any time he says anything back, the first thing they say is he's a racist. Racist. Dirty racist. He must be impeached. Get him out of there. Well, thanks to uh, Ben Ferguson, who supplied the audio for this. Uh, you know, I had not heard this until my way home tonight or to where I'm crashing at. And uh, this is astounding. You heard Bernie uh, Sanders here in 2019. Let's listen to Bernie Sanders just a few years ago in 2015. And he's talking about Baltimore. The same place. But nobody said he was racist then. Nobody's saying he's racist now. Should he be kicked out? Should he walk away from the presidential, uh, you know, race? Should he stay in the race? Is he a racist? We know he's a socialist. But listen to this. This is the hypocrisy of Bernie Sanders and the hypocrisy of every person on the left who believes the lies the media like CNN NBC, CBS, MSNBC have been spreading for months. Listen for yourself. We spend $80 billion a year locking people up in this country. We wouldn't have to do that if people had jobs and if people had education. And we've got to transform our national priorities, invest in our kids, invest in housing, 
rather than more and more jails. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that America is the wealthiest country in the history of the world. But anyone who took the walk that we took, we took around this neighborhood would not think you're in a wealthy nation. You would think that you were in a third world country. We do not need to give more tax breaks to millionaires and billionaires. We need to start investing in communities all over this country today that are hurting, that are often forgotten about. This is the wealthiest country in the history of the world. We can create a society in which all of our people have a decent standard of living, not a society in which almost all new income and wealth goes to the top 1%. That's what I'm dedicated to changing. <laughs> all right, what about ISIS, guys? How often are these people talking about the issues that we talked about today? Of course I'll talk about ISIS. But today what we're talking about is a community in which half of the people don't have jobs. We're talking about a community in which there are hundreds of buildings that are uninhabitable. We're talking about a community where kids are unable to go to schools that are decent. You want to ask me about ISIS? We will talk about ISIS. But what I said, and let me repeat, and you can agree with me or not, what I have said is that obviously ISIS and terrorism are a huge national issue that we've got to address. But so is poverty, so is unemployment, so is education, so is health care, so is the need to protect working families. And I will, I will continue to talk about those issues. Thank you very much. Right, but now what he's done, he's flip-flopped on those issues. That, folks, it's called hypocrisy. And once again, I want to thank Ben Ferguson for uh, pointing this out. And uh, look, let's call it what it is. Baltimore is, you know, no better today than it was when Elijah Cummings took over that district. It's the nightmare in most of it. Not everywhere. Some of it is uh, pretty nice. There's nice areas everywhere, right? There's a lot of parts in this country which need fixing. But more and more, if you do your own homework, if you go out and you actually see the country, well, there's poverty in a lot of areas. There's usually really disgusting third world country type of areas where Democrats hold seats in Congress and where they're supposed to be, you know, taken care of. San Francisco, Nancy Pelosi, hello. Look what's going on there in some of those areas. Los Angeles. I lived in L.A. for a long time. I remember the 80s when I was a kid and, and, out, and I lived out there. Yeah, they had poverty, but it's gotten so much worse in the last 20 years. Now, this is more than just a border crisis. You know, this is a crisis that is spreading nationwide. This is not a race issue. Trump never made this about race. Elijah Cummings has made this about race. Victor Blackwell has made this about race. Bernie Sanders made this about race. Trump re, re, really re, tweeted 
what Bernie Sanders said in 2015. He regurgitated the same thing, but now he's a racist. Where is the liberal tears coming down on Bernie Sanders? I don't see any aggressive negative attacks on him calling him a racist. You know, and it's funny because he has no chance of winning at any kind of presidential election. Let's be honest. Uh, right now, the if you just watch the debates, my goodness, they really have absolutely nobody on the left. And it's a party that I, I was a part of for a very long time. I was a, a Democrat. I voted, you know, for the Democratic uh, President uh, Obama. I voted against Bush. And I regret voting for Obama. I mean, he, he was a disaster for this country. But like everybody else, I fell for the smile. You know, the, he, he spoke a lot of things that later on he flopped on. And that, you know, that's one of the things that made me leave the party. Because I started to become woke, as they're saying now on the uh, left. You gotta be woke, right? Well, I became very woke, folks. And I started seeing the hypocrisy for myself. And I, as of uh, 2016, I no longer was a Democrat. I voted for Trump because Trump came in and said a lot of things that other folks on the left had said, but they never did anything. Once it got into office, everything they ran on, out the window. All campaign promises, gone. And we're going even far back to Bill Clinton was president. I couldn't vote back then, but I supported Clinton because, again, I was in my head thinking, well, you know, at least there'll be less wars. And these guys seem to care about us minorities because I am a minority. I'm Cuban. But, see, what happened was I used to watch a lot of TVs. You know, a lot of TV uh, back in the 90s was a very uh, liberal leftist. You know, you had uh, Bill, uh, you know, playing that saxophone on the Arsenio Hall show. Remember that? Coming out saying, yeah, if I uh, would have just been asked now, I would have just said I smoked marijuana. Back then, of course, she was caught lying saying, uh, I took a, a puff, but I never inhaled. <laughs> no, sir, I never inhaled. Now, of course, we all know he's inhaled more than just a puff. Never admit to it, though, because Billy's a liar. We've all known that for years, and he got impeached. And then did nothing. Right? So what? what's this outcry about impeaching Trump? I mean, I don't get it. They tried, they failed, now they want to try to impeach him again. For what? He's done nothing wrong. In fact, 
We're going to hit a quick commercial break in a few minutes. Before we do that, let's take a listen at Michelle Obama talking about Hillary Clinton. Okay? Now, for a lot of liberals, they hate Trump because he beat Hillary. He beat her even though she tried really hard to rig the election. So much so that they, uh, you know, they did a, a phony steel dossier and uh, the Russians uh, were somehow involved. Listen, let me tell you something. It, it's looking more and more like, yeah, there was probably some Russian uh, collusion going on, but it wasn't with Trump or his people, folks. Nope. It was with Hillary and the Obamas. And I think uh, the reason why uh, they keep trying to impeach 45 is because they're terrified that the shit is about to hit the fan. Now, if you don't think I, if you think I'm joking, if you don't think I'm being honest about this, nobody likes, uh, you know, flip floppers. Let's listen to what Michelle and Barack Obama thought about Hillary. When they ran against her. And then, of course, Obama beats her. Does absolutely nothing for the country, but it's just a total disaster. Goes to Cuba, does nothing in Cuba at all. Nothing positive, anyway. I saw some skits that even came out after he left Cuba. And they were making fun of him. They made fun of the president after he left the country. Do you think they're making fun of the president over in Korea after he stepped over the line with uh, Kim Jong-un? Anybody thinks that the uh, news outlets over there are actually making fun of Trump? Probably not, right? I mean, this is... uh, By the way, that was an incredible moment because no president has ever crossed that line. Nobody had the cojones, the testicular fortitude. Nope. Nope. Nobody had them to cross that line. Nope. But Donald Trump did. So check out Michelle Obama and the ex-president, Barack Hussein Obama, Mr. Muslim trainer, Trainee. That's right. I, look, I don't give a shit. He's he's Muslim. It is what it is. He lied to the entire country. I don't even believe the motherfucker was actually born in America. The birth certificate? I don't believe it. And I'm saying it right now. This is inside the jackal's head. Check this out. I kid you not. This is real audio. Michelle Obama hates Hillary Clinton and doesn't think she's fit to run the White House. Have a listen to this clip of what Michelle Obama really thinks about Hillary Clinton. The quality's not that great, but it's one of the only copies that's available online. It's Michelle Obama back in 2008. Listen to this. One of the things, the important aspects of this race is role modeling what good families should look like. And my view is that if you can't run your own house, you certainly can't run the White House. Can't do it. 
I would add that if you're also under multiple investigations by the FBI, you also can't run the White House. If we do an advanced search of Michelle Obama's tweets, we'll find that she has literally only mentioned Hillary Clinton one time in the last eight years. Once. In this tweet from the FLOTUS account, which stands for First Lady of the United States, an account that is passed from First Lady to First Lady, we find literally one tweet mentioning Hillary Clinton. If we do a detailed search of Michelle Obama's personal Twitter account, at Michelle Obama, we find that there are literally zero tweets about Hillary Clinton, not a single one, ever. Let's take a look at what Barack Obama thinks about Hillary before the Clinton crime family manipulated the DNC and the mainstream media to get her into the position where she is right now. Here's Obama when he was running against Hillary back in 2008. You know, come on. When, when, it, when Hillary Clinton says I'm out of touch, I, I just have to remind people of the track record. Oh, her track record. Her 30-year track record so this of is failure, Senator disaster, Clinton FBI is the same person who has taken more money Wait, from lobbyists. Hear that again. This is the same person who has taken more money from lobbyists than any other candidate, Democratic or Republican. Taking more money from drug company lobbyists and insurance company lobbyists. Drug and she's saying, I'm out of touch. Who do you think is out of touch? Lock her up. This Lock is the her same up. person Lock her up. who took money from financial folks on Wall Street oh. and then voted for a bankruptcy bill that makes it harder for folks right here in Pennsylvania to get a fair shake. Well, thankfully, because of WikiLeaks, we've been able to get transcripts of her secret speeches to the Wall Street banks, where she admits one of her plans is to open the borders and admits that she has a public stance on policy and a private stance as well that are completely 180 degrees at odds with each other. Please tell us more about the real Hillary Clinton, Barack. Who do you think is out of touch? This, this is the same person who... Spent a decade with her husband campaigning for NAFTA. Oh, here we go. And now goes around saying how she was opposed to NAFTA. Mm. This is the same person oh, who more. says she's voting for the Columbia trade deal. Turns out that her top advisor, her top strategist, was working for the Colombian government to get the bill passed. Hmm. Shocker. Does that sound like she's in touch with you? Great audio piece for anybody who's closely paying attention to what's going on. If you really believe that socialism and the, the, the movement that's coming out of Congress on the left is the way this country ought to go, you folks need a lobotomy. Okay, that is what you just heard, what the Obamas thought about Hillary Clinton. The person who Trump won using similar strategies as Obama and Michelle. But why wasn't, you know, where's the outrage against the Obamas? Why is it that when he beats Hillary, everybody loves the Obamas, right? Hillary eventually becomes chums and friendly with, uh, you know, Barack, supposedly. Michelle, as you heard there, not a word, doesn't talk about her on Twitter, doesn't mention her at all. But of course, Barack becomes all of a sudden very chummy with her as uh, Hillary grows in 
incredible wealth with the Clinton Foundation and all kinds of uh, stuff that she was doing after losing the election. So when she went for her own campaign, Trump beats her using, again, similar language as the one used to beat her when she ran against Obama. But now, all of a sudden, Donald Trump is a racist, misogynist, he's evil. All of a sudden, we got to impeach 45, says Al Green and Elijah Cummings. got to impeach him. We gotta impeach 45, says Mixing Waters. I kid you not, she sounds like that. We gotta impeach 45. I'm crazy, Maxine Waters. You gotta listen on YouTube. is really hilarious to, to see the crazy woman just go nutty. I mean, it, 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 these are characters. They're caricatures of human beings. They cannot be real people. I tell you, they just can't. Now we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to have some audio from the Mueller report. That's right. The Mueller report was loaded with fascinating clips. And at the end of the day, the Democrats looked like complete jackasses, which explains, you know, the, the logo of... The Democrat is a jackass. I mean, this all makes so much sense now. We'll be right back. Keep listening. This is Inside the Jackal's Head. Talk Stream Live, mobile talk radio. Imagine having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Talk Stream Live. Have you heard Mac Maloney lately? In your military career, did you ever see anything that came close to an unusual UFO sighting or? No. Holy <laughs> That was the, yeah, the 10 seconds of, uh, no. What are you that was so convincing. Yeah, what are you trying to say there? Well, UFO is an innocuous term. That's the worst fucking denial I've ever heard. Unidentified flying on Mac Maloney's Military X-Files, Friday nights at 11 p.m. Eastern on the public streaming radio network. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the man. Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com. The George Rodriguez Show. Who? I said the George Rodriguez Show. You don't know George Rodriguez? Wasn't he the guy that filled in for Neil Rogers? Yes. That George Rodriguez. What's he like? Oh, he's a short little Cuban feller. Kind of funny looking. Well, when's he on? 12 to 3, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on SoFloRadio.com and SoFloRadio.net. The George Rodriguez Show is much more than adequate.
That's Russian singer Vitaz with the seventh element. I I literally have no idea what that man is saying. We gotta check out the other video. It's uh it's called clucking what he does. I I don't know man. I have no idea, but uh we're gonna get into some audio clips right now and uh man, let me tell you something. It'd be really interesting if everybody just got on the same page and we figured out a way to like coexist without everybody yelling racist anytime somebody's tweets something or you know, something that's happening now with this whole Me Too movement where everybody's like, Oh, well, uh, this guy, uh, yeah, back like 25 years ago, hugged me in a very inappropriate way. And so I just want to say he's a scumbag, which is literally like one of the, the, the women that's come forward. And I got kind of into this with somebody on Facebook um, because they posted something about Trump. And they posted uh, a bunch of women that have come forward saying he sexually harassed them. And that was literally one of the charges. He hugged me in a very inappropriate way. Back in the 80s and 90s, that was just called a hug. Now it's like assault and battery. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, it has the folks lost their damn minds. Are people, uh, I mean, uh, am I the last same human being i don't think i am i think jeremiah greer coming up here in about 20 minutes is a pretty sane person and i, I want to get his two cents uh, maybe his third will be a free one and we won't get taxed on it but i definitely want to get his input on like, what he thinks of what's happening in the world today because i haven't really had a chance to really you know catch up with him in a long time and he is again a an awesome human being and i, and I, I respect everybody's point of view and that's what you know this show is all about i want to you know really understand where everybody's coming from but my goodness every time i I see the things i see on the news and look i watch every news outlet i'm you know i try to make some time before this show to catch up and see what's going on right i also enjoy social media i enjoy facebook tonight I had a, a crazy thing happen to me on Facebook. It, it was bizarre. And I, I don't know the gentleman's name, but it was in a post by one of my friends uh, on Facebook, which I met him through a Miami Marlins uh, chat. And uh, he's a great dude. I, the name slips. I apologize. He goes by the handle uh, Marlins Nation on Facebook. And uh, he put up a post about transgender people, okay, and I replied to it because me and him have a, you know, we have a really cool uh, thing where, you know, we agree a lot uh, about stuff that's happening, and this is complete hypocrisy. Facebook actually uh, said that my comments were against the community standards, and they said, if you request a review, we'll have someone take a look at the comment. Or take another look at the comment. I'm going to try to get this on the website. Again, thejackalshead.com. It's going to be reworked. But the news and all the stuff that we're going over will be on there eventually. So, uh, and this is something that uh, is funny because I, I started off my comment. 
And it wasn't Marlins Nation reported me. It was somebody else who was like, I'm offended. Now, if you look at it in context, the person uh, that they were posting about is a very uh, manly-looking transgender person, and I found it amusing. Now, I'm uh, kind of a wise guy. I do post funny stuff on uh, Facebook all the time, and uh, I didn't know the community standards uh, also meant not dealing with facts. Okay? And I posted, and this is this was my comment. <clears throat> funny, and it starts off with the word funny. Okay? So I'm quoting myself, which got me in trouble on Facebook. Funny thing is, we are, is all these drag queens are socialists. This is true. For the most part, they're leftists. And for the most part, like the Muslims and those degenerates in the Middle East who cut people's heads off for just being gay. Ironic. In that religion that these trannies or transgenders would be beheaded, in that religion, they, and, and I'm end quoting right there, and within the religion of the Muslims, this is not me making it up, they behead gay people, transgender people, for simply being gay. But in this country, you know, we understand most Muslims, if not all are communists or socialists, and transgender, for the most part, are socialists. So they've united in a weird way, right? And I'm going to keep quoting now. Yet they take the side of those who want to cut their heads off here in America. Anyone else see how effing stupid, fucking stupid is what I said, they all are from just that. Now first, the whole transgender BS is media created, uh, and I personally think it's a mental disorder to begin with, but A, to each their own. I guess, you know, but damn, this one here is one butch-looking tranny. And then I put, ha-ha. Now, if you're offended, I'm sorry, I don't care. That's the way I feel, that's called my opinion. If you look at the picture of the uh, person in question, you would say, that is a butch-looking tranny as well, because, my goodness, that is a butch-looking tranny. But for some reason, Facebook felt that, well, that's inappropriate. They, they've done nothing about the actual post, and everybody else has posted in there, but I speak some facts about how these people are beheaded. Now, I don't care if they're gay, straight, transgender, you know, I, I have nothing against anybody living the way they want to live. If you want to, if you're a dude and you want to dress like a woman and you want to cut your dick off, do it. It's your life. I don't care. If you're a chick and you want to slap on, you know, some meat from your ass and call it a penis, do whatever makes you feel good, girl. I don't, or, dude, I, I don't care. But, I mean, if we're, you know, not going to censor everything, every thought, it's pathetic. Facebook? And I don't know if somebody actually uh, reported that or it was just Facebook itself. 
But my goodness, I mean, have we gotten to that point? And I've seen some really much more outlandish stuff on Facebook, by the way. Crazier stuff said really, really racist, bad stuff. Nobody gets anything. Why? Because they're saying it's a white guy doing something. Crazy double standard. But when uh, I make a, a, a funny, well, they gotta bring the hammer down on me. They gotta make an example. Well, I don't care. Screw Facebook. If they don't like it, well, you know what? I don't care. It's all, you know, mental manipulation, folks. They want to control your thoughts. They want to control your movements. They want to tell you what to say, what to do. Even on social media. You know, if it wasn't for the fact that you need social media for for these kind of shows, I would probably not even be on social media, to be honest with you. But you can't escape, uh, you know, the need to be on Facebook, Twitter, and all these other places, just to get the word out. So, you know, you need to be on these platforms, but honestly, it's a, it's a joke sometimes. Complete joke. And, uh, you know, no matter what, if they have a problem with it, too bad. Now, I got more audio that, uh, that I want to play, but shout-outs to Marlins Nation again uh, before I play the audio. And, uh, again, cool dude. If you guys uh, look him up on Facebook, uh, follow his uh, Facebook uh, posts. Very funny stuff. Um, I'll get his name out there when I have a chance. Uh, if he ever wants to call in, he's welcome to call in and talk uh, about whatever he wants to talk about. Because, again, he's a very woke, bright individual. And uh, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, he's on point politically and uh, about sports, too. Hey, I love sports. We're going to get into that as the show continues on in the future. And uh, I got a lot of stuff that I want to talk about when it comes to sports. And we're going to do stuff on wrestling and Major League Baseball, NBA, maybe some NFL stuff in the future. But tonight, again, the second hour belongs to Jeremiah Greer. We're going to talk to him about what he's been up to in about 10 minutes. But I do want to get to an audio clip from the Mueller report that I uh, I found just absolutely fascinating. This is Jim Jordan, Jim Jordan um, demanding answers from Robert Mueller. Pay close attention to this. The Robert Mueller investigation is a complete sham. Everybody, check this audio out. Fascinating. Back, the gentleman from Ohio. Director, the FBI interviewed Joseph Mifsud on February 10th, 2017. In that interview, Mr. Mifsud lied. You point this out on page 193, volume 1. Mifsud denied. Mifsud also falsely stated. In addition, Mifsud omitted. Three times he lied to the FBI, yet you didn't charge him with the crime. Excuse me, are, did you Why say not? one? I'm sorry, did you say 193? Volume 1, 193. He lied three times, you pointed out in the report. Why didn't you charge him with the crime? 
Uh, I can't get into uh, internal deliberations with regard to who would or would not be. Charge uh, a lot of other people for making false statements. Let's remember this. Let's remember this. In 2016, the FBI did something they probably haven't done before. They spied on two American citizens associated with a presidential campaign, George Papadopoulos and Carter Page. With Carter Page, they went to the FISA court. They used the now famous dossier as part of the reason they were able to get the warrant and spy on Carter Page for a better part of a year. With Mr. Papadopoulos, they didn't go to the court. They used human sources. All kinds of, from about the moment Papadopoulos joins the Trump campaign, you got all these people all around the world starting to swirl around him. Names like Halper, Downer, Mifsud, Thompson, meeting in Rome, London, all kinds of places. The FBI even sent, even sent a lady posing as somebody else, went by the name Azra Turk, even dispatched her to London to spy on Mr. Papadopoulos. In one of these meetings, Mr. Papadopoulos is talking to a foreign diplomat, and he tells the diplomat, Russians have dirt on Clinton. That diplomat then contacts the FBI, and the FBI opens an investigation based on that fact. You point this out on page one of the report. July 31st, 2016, they open the investigation based on that piece of information. Diplomat tells Papadopoulos, Russians have dirt, excuse me, Papadopoulos tells the diplomat, Russians have dirt on Clinton. Diplomat tells the FBI, what I'm wondering is, who told Papadopoulos? How'd he find out? I can't get into the evidentiary file. Yes, you can, because you wrote about it. You gave us the answer. Page 192 of the report, and you tell us who told him. Joseph Nifson. Joseph Nifson's a guy who told Papadopoulos. The mysterious professor who lives in Rome and London, works at teaching two different universities. This is the guy who told Papadopoulos. He's the guy who starts it all. And when the FBI interviews him, he lies three times, and yet you don't charge him with a crime. You charge Rick Gates for false statements. You charge Paul Manafort for false statements. You charge Michael Cohen with false statements. You charge Michael Flynn, a three-star general, with false statements. But the guy who puts the country through this whole saga starts it all for three years we've lived this now. He lies, and you guys don't charge him. And I'm curious as to why. Well, I can't get into it, and uh, and it's obvious, I think, that we can't get into charging decisions. When the FBI interviewed him in February, FBI interviews him in February, when the special counsel's office interviewed Mifsud, did he lie to you guys, too? Can't get into that. Did you interview Mifsud? Can't get into that. Is Mifsud Western intelligence can't or Russian intelligence? Can't get into that. A lot of things you can't get into. What's interesting, you can charge 13 Russians no one's ever heard of, no one's ever seen, no one's ever going to hear of them. No one's ever going to see them. You can charge them. You can charge all kinds of people who are around the president with false statements. But the guy who launches every, the guy who puts this whole story in motion, you can't charge him. I think I'm that's not, amazing. I'm not certain, I, I, I'm not certain I agree with your characterizations. Well, I'm reading from your report. Mifsud told Papadopoulos. Papadopoulos tells the diplomat. The diplomat tells the FBI. The FBI opens the investigation July 31st, 2016. And here we are three years later, July of 2019. The country's been put through this. And the central figure who launches it all lies to us. And you guys don't hunt him down and interview him again. And you don't charge him with a crime. Now, here's the good news. Here's the good news. 
The president was falsely accused of conspiracy. The FBI does a 10-month investigation. James Comey, when we deposed him a year ago, told us at that point they had nothing. You do a 22-month investigation. At the end of that 22 months, you find no conspiracy. And what's the Democrats want to do? They want to keep investigating. They want to keep going. Maybe a better course of action. Maybe a better course of action. Maybe a better course of action is the Democrats get off their ass and clean up places like Baltimore, California, pass bills like to support the border and support actually the people that are being picked up because, you know, there is an overflow on the borders. And uh, that's because a lot of people were coming in, right? So the detention centers, which have needed money for years, maybe the uh, <clears throat> live on air. Maybe these Democrats who are bleeding racist, um, maybe that was a good tasting one too. Uh, maybe what they should do is get off their ass and fix some of the problems and. Stop with this nonsense. But check this out. It, it really sounds like Mueller wasn't even involved in writing this report, right? So uh, this is uh, a question that uh, was uh, asked. Who the hell wrote this thing? Devin Nunes is the ranking member of the House Intel Committee. He's a member of the House Ways and Means Committee, and he has been among the few congressmen who have been on this program for the last two and a half years telling the truth about what has taken place. Congressman, it's good to have you on the program. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, Maria. Great to be with you. Reaction, your reaction from the Mueller testimony. Well, first of all, it's clear that Mueller didn't write the report. And so who wrote the report? We think there were five or six lawyers involved. We're still trying to get to the bottom of that. Uh, I would say, you know, one of the main takeaways is, is that we still don't have any Russians, right? We don't know who the Russians were that supposedly, you know, colluded with the Trump campaign. Why? Because there were none. And that's what we said two and a half years ago. Uh, there is evidence that the Democrats colluded with the Russians. We tried to get to the bottom of that. But clearly, Mueller and his team of lawyers and 40 investigators and $40 million didn't bother to look for those Russians. They were only looking for the Russians that, uh, that were mysterious because they don't exist and they never found them. You, you focused on Joseph Mifsud in, in some of your questions. Now, we had George Papadopoulos on this program earlier in the year, and he basically broke the news on this show about Mifsud and about the fact that he was the first person to tell him that Russia had Hillary Clinton's emails. Also, he broke the news on this program earlier this year that another individual dropped $10,000 on his lap, another situation that you mentioned in your questioning. Why was it so important for you to mention people like Mifsud and Shragi and others? Well, remember, Mifsud is at the heart of this investigation. Mifsud is the one who supposedly knows about Clinton's emails, that the Russians have Clinton emails. He supposedly said this to Papadopoulos, something about emails. This is the excuse, and the, well, actually, it's not the excuse. It is the reason why, they, the documented reason why they opened the investigation on July 31st, 2016. Now, what I mentioned in my testimony and in my questioning, uh, it's clear that 
the FBI did not open the investigation on July 31st. That's the paperwork. What we're trying to figure out is when did the FBI really start to run the investigation? What types of, of, of processes did they use? What was the predicate? Uh, because look, it really appears like they were spying on the Trump campaign. If I may start And now beg you to take back the space. Now that's not a Russian, that's uh, my good friend Jesse Singer with One That Makes the Difference. I didn't know he was such a good singer. You know, sometimes you have friends for a long time and then you're like, wait, you, you could do what? You could sing? Nah. And then he drops like five tracks and they're like, that's cool. Well, that's, that's really good. Well, that's excellent. And then one had me shedding a tear, and I was like, Jesse, why didn't you tell me about this before? But check him out on SoundCloud and on YouTube. I believe that's uh, where you find him. Look up Jesse Singer, the one that makes a difference. Good track. Now, folks, I have the pleasure of bringing on live here on PSN Radio on Inside the Jackal's Head, the one and the only Somebody who is responsible, once again, for, uh, me, you know, not so much getting into podcasting, but was the first person on any platform outside of Blog Talk Radio who said, hey, you know, you? And I said, me? And he said, yeah, you. Why don't you try to look at something outside of this very shitty platform? And he actually uh, showed me the ropes, uh, was the uh, person responsible for me, uh, kind of uh, branching out. If not, you would still hear in the beginning of this show, Black Talk Radio. But you don't hear that anymore because, you know, we don't do that kind of uh, nonsense anymore on our cell phones. Which, by the way, that's how I used, I used to do the, phone, the, uh, the show, on my cell phone. We've definitely upgraded since then. I'll tell you that much. But welcome back to Inside the Jackal's Head. Once again, Mr. Jeremiah Greer. I, I wouldn't just call you Dr. Greer at this point. <laughs> Dr. Greer. I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for making time with, you know, with me. I know you, you're a family man. I know you, you're a busy dude man but i love talking to you and since i got back on the show i you know and we always uh, somehow one way or the other over the years bump into each other online and i i immediately said i have to bring on jeremiah uh because again if it wasn't oh, for man. you man i would not be doing this this little shindig right here so if anybody has any uh hate mail <laughs> don't send it to this man <laughs> but <laughs> i'm sure there's some out there that hate me but no i'm appreciate you having me on it's it's been god i can't even tell you last time i either hosted a show or was on a show and by the way the world wide web the uh podcasting community uh anywhere that people listen to you know stuff that creeps them out of the night misses you i mean your show was <laughs> yeah, phenomenal that, that is funny it's not. It's, I, it's the truth, man. I you still, know, 
I, look, let me tell you something real quick. I, I, you're not, you know, you don't understand. I have a lot of friends that I still deal with from back when we first met years and years ago. And oh, every God. once in a while, you do come up. I'm not even kidding. They're like, hey, whatever happened to Jeremiah Greer? And some people just say the Greer guy because, you know, they can't remember the first name or Jeremiah. But they always remember because I, I mentioned you over the years as, you know, the culprit for me being on podcasting you know, and not sounding like 12 decibels lower than I do now and on really shitty audio. <laughs> Thanks to you, sir, we're here today. And I do get that question. So tell the audience, uh, you know, what you've been up to because it's a mystery. You're a lovely man and we need you <laughs> well, on the air. <laughs> well, let me start off by, it is funny that you say that because, I mean, I guess it's it's been 8 to 10 years since I've done this show. So it, it hasn't been on yeah. any network. Anything like that. I still, to this day, get emails and people ask me, when's the next episode? I'm like, well, it hasn't aired in like eight years. There's not a next episode. Um, you know, and people just reconnect and like, oh, I just found your show. It's, it's, you know, it's a good show. I really enjoyed it. You know, where can I find more? And I'm like, you just gotta dig around because I don't, <laughs> there's nowhere that it's really archived. So it's, it's hilarious, but um, but I did. I really enjoyed the show. And but nowadays, you know, like I said, I'm a family man. Which I guess the last time I was on the air, I had four kids at home. Now I just have one at home. Uh, oh. One's still in um, school. The other so you school. must be feeling a lot better nowadays. <laughs> yeah, they're all they're all branching out on their own. Woof! It's almost uh, yeah. party time. <laughs> uh, and, but no, I've got, you know, I've been running a couple businesses. I got my own kind of businesses going and, um, hey, you know, just trying to survive like everybody else. It's a tough world out there. And, you know, just had to just, you know, lock it down and do what I can to survive. You're not kidding. And we're living in, in a strange world, man. I remember when we met years ago, folks, it's been a decade. I'm not even kidding. It's, it's about a decade now. God, no kidding. It, and I remember, I remember the, the climate, the way it was back then, to the way it is now. I'm talking about the social climate, the way people, you know, act towards each other, uh, you know, the way things are. Uh, you're in, in, I don't want to give too much work because I don't want stalkers going after you, but you're in a certain area, uh, where our president ha- uh, was recently, correct? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, there was a huge rally of people loved it. And a lot of folks went out and saw him, and uh, from what I saw, it was very positive. Uh, am I wrong to say that? Or am I right? I, no, I would say that you're right. That a lot of people seen it as a positive thing. I mean, in North Carolina, there are a lot of people for Trump. Um, I mean, pretty much everywhere you go, you're, you're going to see. You know, Trump 2020 or even still the old stickers, you know, Trump 2016. So a lot of people definitely, I guess their, their, you know, thoughts resonate with what he puts out there. Now, I know you were listening to earlier in the show and we're going to get to, I'm sure, a little bit of politics. But the reason I bring that up is because you're living in a central place where, you know, he was at recently. And, uh, you know, back, you know, 10 years ago to what, you know, we're at right now, uh, you know, you've seen this change and you've been off the air. You've seen the way, uh, the world is. It's just, it's become so crazy over the last 10 years. But the funny thing is, we were talking about this earlier. It feels like it's gone by so quick. I mean, it's, uh, almost yes. like it, somebody just snapped their fingers, decade gone. 
that is no joke, man. Time just seems to get faster faster and i mean obviously you can dip back into the shadows and the dark days where we probably talked about the you know time being relevant <laughs> but <laughs> i mean it, it really has and it's just so crazy how things are happening now and um you know i think a lot of it is social media because when you go back 10 years when mm-hmm. you know i got into radio which was before because i had the show I think I did the show five, six years before I took it off. Um, so, you know, yep. really looking at about 15 years ago. And, wow. you know, social media and the Internet was around, but it wasn't as utilized as it is today. I mean, today you can't hide from anything. I mean, my God, if I'd had social media whenever I was young, I, I don't know, I'd probably be locked up ten times over. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and have all kinds of haters. But, you know, now everything you do, is going to pop up somewhere. Somebody's got a camera on. Somebody's taking pictures. Somebody's tagging this. Somebody's hashtagging that. And you just can't. And I won't say not hide from it, um, but everything's out in the open, which unfortunately leaves it up for interpretations. And that's where we get the issues. Exactly. And it's funny because you said something very funny there. Uh, which is, if you were listening earlier, look, look at Bernie Sanders for an example. Uh, look at his comments mm-hmm. about Baltimore from 2015 to now. Uh, everything stays on the web somewhere. You gotta be very right. careful these days what you say, Jeremiah, because it's, you know, it's That's permanently out there. Right. Somebody somewhere is gonna, is gonna get you. That's why I, I personally don't care anymore. I, I've gone to the, to the point in my life where if I say something naughty or, or dumb, I said it. I meant up. I don't care. If somebody gets offended. <laughs> That's right. It's life, Just you know. But, it. <laughs> yeah. Look. <laughs> Somebody was, you know, telling me that, oh, you know, Trump is a misogynist because some girl 25 years ago said he hugged her inappropriately and now she's saying 25 years later she felt kind of awkward. Right. Yeah. See, I mean, that's that's the thing is, is it, unfortunately, with the way it stays out there, it's. You're never, nothing's taken into consideration. Well, maybe they're not that same person anymore. So now, the you know, the, the person you were at 17 years old is apparently the same person you are at 34, 40, 50 years right. old, even up to 70 years old. And we all know that's not the truth. We all change every single day, and especially if you take a 10-year span, somebody's life, they are not the same person from that day to 10 years ahead. So it's kind of unfair to everybody in society that, you know, we are continued to be judged by what's still recorded since the beginning of the Internet. What gets me uh, is this uh, notion now that we get, and, and I'm sure you see it, you know, being that you're off the, you know, the podcast and you're just a family man, like you said, running, you know, businesses. But it, it, I find it funny that, uh, nowadays, and this is just, you know, taking a look at the entire spectrum of what we're doing here as a society, we've gotten away from you're innocent to proving guilty to yeah. you're guilty, and there's no way to prove you're innocent. That, that, that's absolutely, that is very true, and I, I can agree with you more that you, you, you are guilty until proven innocent in today's world. And, I, I mean, and it's so funny because... Um, if you ever watched the show on Fox, the Orville, 
Seth oh my goodness, show. that's one of my favorite. I'm not even kidding. I absolutely adore that show. I mean, I'm a Trekkie. I'm a Star the, Wars fan, but yeah. that show is brilliant. And, and it, it is. <laughs> it's one of it's one of his best shows, if not. I mean, come on. I mean, Family Guy, you know, American yep. Dad. Those are great shows. But but this show, to me, it's not your typical Seth MacFarlane show because it's not over the top comedy. It's not poking fun at people. You know, it, it's a really a deep look into society and the structures of society. Yep. And there's an episode, and it really, to me, was like, oh, my God, I think we might just be heading there. They visited a planet that had an absolute democracy. And this absolute democracy was completely based on if you liked or disliked something that was posted. And then you were judged completely based on that, Mm -hmm. and you had to do an apology. And if the apology wasn't approved by the entire planet with likes or dislikes, then you went through the punishment. And it was like, that is practically what we're going through now. It's almost like, yes, we are almost to an absolute democracy based on just what somebody posts. That's exactly right. That one in uh, Chalusha. (laughs) That's such a great show. Such a great Uh, show. That's what, it's funny because you can, there's so many like funny sound clips you can get out of that show. Uh, so many little quick sound bites, but the writing, like you said, it, I mean, they, they, you know, socially, they, they are capturing in this trekkie like world what the climate is today. And, and Seth, you know, for everything you might think about him, uh, the man knows way too many show tunes for a straight guy, first of all. Uh, so there might be something there. <laughs> he just... does, but it, he, but he is it, a genius in my But he is brilliant. brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, the writing on that show is very underrated. Uh, they've won Emmys, I believe. Haven't they? they if not, they should. I, 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 I'm sure he's won. I don't know if the Orville um, has won any, but I mean, very possibly. He, he you know, pretty much collects them. I mean, he's just a, like I said, he's a brilliant writer and, and really poke at or digging into again that social structure and what you know what does make up society he, he does a great even on his other shows i mean the yeah. jokes that he makes you know he doesn't leave anything off the table and that's one reason why the show continues you know it's funny we talk about all this that everybody gets offended at nowadays but nobody touches american dad or you know family guy like they do right. other things because everything's on the table and that's kind of the point you know i think his point is well if you're going to poke fun at one thing poke fun at all or just forget about it all because in the end it's not that relevant to your own life and it's just man he is so good at it and the orville i just think it takes it to another step because he doesn't have not as much comedy built into it the references aren't there as much and Mm -hmm. the crude humor is not there and it's just a well-written just show about these people trying to get along, traveling through space. You it know, reminds which is what the Earth is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's funny because it, remi- it reminds me of like watching Voyager in the nineties, but like a comedy version, right. a, a Voyager. Yeah, kind of yeah, like, it does. You know, it, it says it, he'll make a, a hell of a Janeway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, have you ever have you seen uh, this movie um, A Thousand Ways or A Hundred Ways to Die in the West 
Yeah, hundred or a thousand, can't remember. Oh yeah, I think I it's mean, a thousand, isn't it? Yeah, thousand ways to die, or, or a million ways to die, something like that. But yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, I mean the guy uh, constantly uh, busts out with uh, really, really uh, funny stuff. And one thing I, I love, uh, by the way, I, I don't know if you, you follow uh, follow this much, but Disney uh, bought Fox TV and film. Uh, they didn't buy Fox News. Fox News is going to stay its own thing, but it's, but Disney now owns right. the rights to Orville. So Disney is going to be right. in charge of, of that show going forward. I think they renewed it. You can't cancel that show. I mean, it's just just too popular right now. Uh, and exactly. they've renewed it for yeah. for another season or two. I don't know how long they're going to keep it. But it's funny because there is a lot of politics on that show, and I wonder. Uh, are they going to start like censoring some of the stuff that he does with that in the Family Guy? I I really hope not, uh, because Disney is known to kind of do that when they push the envelope. I mean, look what they did on ABC with Tim Allen. All the guy did say was, "I, I, vote, I voted for Trump, and I'll do it again." And uh, he had the number mm-hmm. two radio show on TV gone. And right. funny enough, he's on Fox now, which no, it's owned by Disney. Same. <laughs> <laughs> now, nah, I hope they don't mess with it. I mean, you never know. I mean, it's, it's the sad part, but uh, I mean, it, it would just be a shame to you because, it, again, there's a something about the way he writes that, I mean, it really resonates with a lot of people. And there are a lot of people who are Seth MacFarlane fans who are on, you know, they're from all spectrums of the political world. Uh, yeah. I mean, whatever. <laughs> You know, they're they're all over the place, and for good reason. You know, he you know his jokes make you think too. That that's the good part about it. It's not that he's just poking fun. It, it makes you think. It makes you mm-hmm. sit back and be like, you know what? There is a point to that. Yeah, yeah. No, and I I love like the, in some of the episodes. It's not just comedy. I mean, he gets into like some deep stuff, like transgenderism. They uh, of course have uh, the character Brodus and his. Uh, race where uh, even if you're born a female, they they gotta make you a male, and it's right. It's that one episode, man. I I, I literally I was crying so hard from laughing so hard. The episode where Brodus has a porn addiction and he's in the jail cell, (laughs) (laughs) and the guy comes in, he's like, "If you want out, you have to do that one thing," and he's like, "I'm not doing that one thing." And he goes, well, then I will whip you or something. And he's like, wait a second. I will do that one thing and more. <laughs> I tell you. I, <laughs> they put him through a lot of stuff. He, you know, Brodus is like one of the most um, just curious characters on that show. I mean, you think he grew the mustache uh, when he yes. got addicted to cigarettes. <laughs> you know, I mean, the things that he has been through in that show is hilarious. I mean, because to me, because I'm a curious individual, it's one of the reasons why I did the show I did. And, yeah. you know, so I can relate to it. Like, oh, what is that like? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, mean, I love that show. By the way, Scott Grimes, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, with him. He's, you know, one of the main characters in the show. Scott Grimes is iconic to uh, the world of horror. Uh, I don't, do you remember the uh, the mm-hmm. movies Critters? One, two, three, four, five? Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. He played uh, the kid in Critters 1 and 2. Uh, he was Gordon Malloy on, uh, on the Orville, one of the main guys who drives the ship. Uh, oh, the beer. yeah, yeah. That's him from uh, from Critters. Now uh, he's on the Orville. That's right. 
I was trying to remember where I had to uh, recognize him, um, but he's been a lot of stuff. He, he's a pretty yeah. Guy. I like him. He's, I, it's funny because he was also a voice on uh, some episodes on Family Guy, and he's been on NCIS, and you know he's worked over the years. But it's funny when I first started watching the show. The, the first few episodes, I, was, I didn't recognize him at first, and I was like, he looks familiar, but I can't place that face. And then yeah. it, it just hit me, and I was like, wait a second, because I used to be a big fan of uh, the Critters movies as a kid. I loved horror, by the way, and uh, I grew up <laughs> watching horror movies. And I always loved slasher movies. Like The first horror movie I ever saw in theaters was Nightmare on Elm Street, kid you not. Oh my kid. god, that's what I was about to tell you mine, what the first one that stuck out my mind that really captured my mind. That was it, Nightmare on Elm Street. I Dude. went, I think I was in sixth grade. Yep. Might have been fifth grade. I went to a Halloween party and there was a Halloween, there was a costume contest and that's who I dressed up as was Freddy Krueger. I had, um, butter knives for my claws. I made a glove <laughs> and put butter knives on it. And that was, <laughs> and that was my claw. Uh, oh my gosh! I mean, it scared me to death, but at the same time, I was a fan. You know? uh, Man, I, I spent a decade dressing up like Freddy Krueger. Are you kidding me? Uh, I <laughs> from and I was a weird child, man. Let me tell you, I would tell my dad because every every time you know, in the eighties, we got a lot of Freddy movies. You know, we had a lot of Jason movies, and I always told my dad uh, mm-hmm. every weekend, uh, I don't want any toys. I have a lot of Star Wars stuff. I just want to go to the movies. And my dad, being a cheap bastard that he was in the 80s, would always go to the Dollar Theater. It was to get the movies that, you know, had already left the mainstream theaters. They were just playing in the Dollar Theater. And they would always have a run of the Freddy movies. So as a kid, my dad was like, well, he's semi-normal. Maybe this will fuck him up a little bit more. And, uh... You know, maybe he'll go crazy and I'll get some uh, money from the government. I don't know. So he'll take me to see the horror movies. I have no idea why he would do this to a child. Nowadays, he'll be locked up. Back then, he was the coolest dad ever. And he would take me to, I saw Nightmare on Elm Street 1. Didn't see too glad about that because it's kind of a weird one in the the entire saga of Freddy. But we saw 1, 3, 4, skipped 5, saw 6, and my dad refused to watch uh, I believe it was Wes Craven's New Nightmare. He was like, I've had enough of Freddy. That's it. I'm done with Freddy. And then he moved mm. onto Saw or whatever. Was, you know, horror yeah. movie. He's a big horror fan. But what I'm saying is, it's funny from the 80s to 90s to now, uh, you know, I've been a big fan of horror movies. And your show was very paranormal heavy. And it was, you know, of course, Shadows in the Dark. Right, mm-hmm. and you know what yeah, drove you were. to, yeah, what drove you to that aspect of doing what you know you did back in the show? Man, well, okay, now to, to what really drove me to, I guess, look into the paranormal. Um, it starts back to when I was really young, uh, and it had to do with I guess, releasing limitations or understanding that. There were things out there that were beyond what we could really even think about. Well, no, I won't say that, but uh, we're just surprising. And I, I was 10 years old, and uh, we, we went out west on a summer vacation. And, and, and like I said, this, and I wouldn't call it 
paranormal, but again, the show was very broad in that sense of paranormal, what it covered, and, and this is the reason. Um, we went on a family vacation out to Yellowstone National Park, um, and this was, like I said, I was probably 10, so this was mid-80s, uh, right around in there. Uh, so we get to Yellowstone. Well, on the way there, we had stopped and we picked up, you know, hit one of those little tourist trap stands and, you know, had a lot of Native American stuff. And me and my brother got some Native American rain dance bells. And, <clears throat> you know, that was pretty cool. Um, so we get to Yellowstone. And so my dad and stepmom, they went in to check in, which this was a time, you know, you could leave your kids in the car, too, during this, you know, uh, during yeah. this age where, you know, don't do it now. Uh, no, you know, now you're fixing to twenty to life. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So, but which which I'm in agreement. You should not leave them in the car. But yeah, that's age, true. You did leave them in the car. Yeah. And so, so of course, <laughs> just run the, the window down a little bit, son. Just roll the window down a little bit. You'll be okay. I'll be back in about three hours. Just stay in the car. Right. <laughs> that was the eighties. <laughs> right. And I mean. Yeah, I mean, we're literally around like hundreds of people because this is the summertime, Yellowstone National Park. So this parking lot is jam-packed. And it's not, you know, a small parking lot. This is huge. So we're sitting in the car, you know, waiting for them to go check us in and come back. So, you know, I, my brother turns around, and he's, he's about two and a half years older than me. And he was like, hey, he was like, well, we'll put these rain bells on and see if we can make it rain. I was like, that's a great idea. Let's do it. And so we put them on. And so we shook them, you know, and we did our best Native American chant that we could. And damn if it didn't start raining. So, of course, I freaked us out. You know, we're like, oh, my God, it just started raining. We did this little rain bell chant. And so, you know, you could chalk it up to coincidence. But for us, what happened was that was you know, we sat there for a minute. Well, the hearing gets even better because we sat there for a minute and we was like, okay. If we make it rain, sure, we can make it stop raining by doing the same thing. So we shook our bells, we did our little chant, and it stopped. And we took those bells off and didn't touch them the rest of the trip. <laughs> and we, to this day, <laughs> to this day, we still talk about that. We, we're still like, what exactly happened there? Do you believe it was coincidence? Do you believe we made it rain? And for me, you know, I'm like, I have lived my life since that day fully believing that I made it rain and that there are no limitations to us if we allow ourselves to tap into it without the doubt or anything that has watered that down, which to me, I do believe society does do. You know, it's said, well, you can't do this, you can't do that, shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that. Well, what happens if you release that and decide, well, I can do anything? Um, so that really sparked an interest in me into what was possible in the world. And I said it multiple times on Shadows in the Dark that I was a believer, you know, because I would always get asked, do you believe in ghosts? Do you believe in UFOs? Do you believe in Bigfoot? You know, the list goes on. I would say what I believe in is possibilities. I'm not going to say Bigfoot exists, but I believe the possibility of him existing is absolutely there. Yep. So that means what else is possible? And I think it opens ourselves up. And so once I got into doing the show, <clears throat> now right before I started doing the show, I did start getting into um, a little bit of ghost hunting stuff. And EVPs intrigued me. I thought that was just the most amazing thing. And I still do to this day out of all the things that, you know, these 
paranormal investigators have brought to the forefront, EVPs are the most fascinating. And the one that I think, the one thing I should, should think that they should just really focus on and keep exploring because you cannot explain that. It just, there's no way. And it, it's not a rogue radio signal because I've yet to hear Britney Spears come through. It, it's, <laughs> you know, it, it's, I, I, you just can't explain it because I've heard them answer questions, my questions. Yep. I've heard answers come back once I go back and listen. I've heard sentences, one words, languages, different languages. I, I mean, it's, it's insane. Um, so that, you know, getting into the, Ghost hunting and the, the paranormal investigations really kind of was a platform for that. But still going back to when I was 10 years old and the possibilities that I believed exist. And that's why the show was very broad. It was it was hard to call it a paranormal talk show or a para talk mm. show because we didn't just yep. do the paranormal. There was things that we just found intriguing, like tube and throat singing. It's not paranormal. There's no mystery to it. But my God, to hear one person make this grunting noise while whistling the melody over top of it from the same mouth, yeah, that's intriguing. That is amazing. And so we would focus on stuff like that, that that we thought, which, okay, I do have to be honest, and, and Robert Schneck used to say this all the time, and he was a regular guest on the show, an amazing writer, and you want to talk about strange history of America, that's the guy to look up is Robert Schneck. But mm-hmm. he used to say... <laughs> He used to tell me, he was like, yep. you know, mate? he's like, you only do what interests you on the show. I was like, I kind of do. I was like, luckily my interests to. are very, very <laughs> vast. And, you know, I was like, but you're absolutely right. If I find yep. it intriguing, I want to do a show on it. I want to talk to that person. And, I mean, I wouldn't be sitting there and I'd watch a TV show, a documentary or, or something, and be like, I want to talk to that person. And I would Dig and dig until I figured out how to contact and be like, please come on the show and talk about, you know, X, Y, Z, you know, whatever they had going on. And I loved it. I mean, I really do miss the show. It, it was absolute fun. The people I got to meet through the show, yourself, Robert Schneck, Charlie Carlson, Don Smith. I mean, the list just goes, I could sit here and there. So many people that have made mm-hmm. an impact on my life. And you know, I still stay in contact with today. It's it's not like I went off the air and I never talked to anybody ever again. It was, you know, I made lifelong friendships uh, with a lot of people and good people and different people. I mean, this, you know, across the whole spectrum, you know, nobody's the same and everybody has different beliefs, but you can still be friends and still get along. And, and talk about these intriguing things that, that come across the news channels or the radio waves. And it, it is. It's, it's, it's missed because of a lot of that. I'll tell you what, I, you just echoed the reason why I, I came back to uh, doing this podcast after not doing it for a few years. Um, you know, I, I felt the same way. I mean, I, I walked away. Uh, when my health got bad and my mother passed away and I, I, I looked back on it and I was like, I might never, uh, go back to doing the show. And I, and I was just kicking it on the round table with some friends and then, uh, some sky watchers for a little bit, but I never felt comfortable really hosting the show by myself again. And so the show kind of spent a few years away, but it was always when there was something on the news or something that piqued my interest that I was like, man, I wish I was doing the jackal said, because that's what we do here also. And again, yes, folks, 
it's because of Jeremiah Greer that this show exists, and that's why this show is about everything, not just UFOs or aliens. Uh, but it's funny how the paranormal uh, Jeremiah has become normal in a lot of ways. Now, what always gets me, and you touch about uh, you, th- you touched on EVPs. I think you know Art Bell hit it on on the nose when he said, "Folks, by the way, rest in peace, Art Bell." He once said, "Folks, one day the yes. veil's going to drop." And he kept talking about the veil dropping and what is coming. Remember the quickening, all the stuff he talked about years and years and years ago. Uh, a lot of that paranormal, paranormal stuff is becoming more and more in your face, more and more evident that there is something going on. Uh, you you see more, you know, networks taking a little bit more serious, and the EVP stuff always creeps me out. And you know, you're talking about that. What really gets me and and out of all the stuff that I've heard over the years is when I hear kids' voices coming through oh, the CVPs. Yeah. When I hear children answering questions that are being asked, and and I see it sometimes on the video, and I, I get, I'm like, how the heck could they have hoaxed that? Well, yes, they could have had a kid on the side saying, you know, the answers or yelling, you know, responses. You have to, you know, either be there Sometimes to be 100% satisfied with what you're hearing, or sometimes you have to just take it as, you know, faith. Uh, there's some big F word right there, because we live everything on faith, whether it's religion, whether it's on your uh, political beliefs, whether it's mm-hmm. paranormal, no matter what it is, whether your kids are going to take care of you when you're old and gray and you're in a hospital bed. <laughs> Everything's on faith. You know, nothing's concrete. But, you know, if you if you put faith into what you're hearing, when I hear those kids, Jeremiah, it's heartbreaking to know that something happened to them. They're not on this earth. And now it could be, you know, what do you think the, the EVPs are actually capturing? Because I always took it as it's either really a, a, an entity that's still there or it's something that's recorded in the atmosphere somehow because of the area, and there's some other kind of freak phenomenon happening here, which might have to has nothing to do with the soul or anybody actually right. physically being there. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on on that part of it? Well, see, and that was one of the things that I really loved about doing the show was that ability to dig into the different theories behind things and. You know, EVPs, I'll tell you, the first time I ever listened to any EVPs, I I listened to one. I found this website, and it was like all they focused on. And I listened to one, and the next thing I knew, like six hours later, I was finally getting up from the computer and getting off their site because it just (laughs) captured me. And I would not sleep on my hand over the, the side of the bed that night. Yep. And I'm not I'm not very easy to scare, but I was like, oh my god, you know. <laughs> but when you look at them, I mean, like I said, I'm a believer in possibilities. I love talking about theories because nobody knows the true answer behind it. Um, some things will make a little more sense, like you know, you always hear the theory of rogue radio signals. I don't buy into that because again, I've not heard Britney Spears come over the you know any of my EVPs, and I recorded thousands upon thousands of EVPs. Um, or at least audio, and then got EVPs out of them. So um, nowhere we're gonna ever hear, we're never gonna hear you say, "Wait, hold on," and hear in the background, "Oops, I did it again." And then you're right. like, "Wait, I think I've got an answer. What'd you do? What happened?" 
<laughs> That's never going to – you never heard that. <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. But, um, no. but I, you know, I do kind of – there is that, that – torn between is it an entity that's there because i have heard responsive ones uh evps that would lean you towards that theory but then there's also ones you know that is it just something you know i guess kind of in the air or um i guess you go back to the belief or what we're taught in school if you want to buy into everything you're taught in school that everything is energy and energy can neither be created or destroyed so what Ever is kind of out there, even words or energy that that it's a sound that goes out. Does it stay? Is you know when I say hey, I'm on the jackal's head. Is that going to bounce around the rest of the world for all eternity? And some I don't know about that, but it's going to be it's going to make a great sound clip later on when I put uh, you know. <laughs> a bit together promoting the show. That, that was really good. I like that. I'm going to put that on that. Go ahead, continue. But, you know, but that is a possibility that that energy is just bouncing around in, in the universe and something happens to be on the right frequency to pick it up. Um, so, you know, you, you can easily get torn between different theories that are like, okay, they make sense. That, that can make sense. But we just, we're not to the point of being able to absolutely say what it is. Um, but they're just so fascinating because, again, you get so many different EVPs. Um, I mean, I've had direct responses that just blew my mind. I've had ones, we, we had one that we did in a historical home in Waynesville, North Carolina. And, we had, gosh, I don't even know how many recorders going. We had, um, you know, video recorders. We had digital recorders. We had t- uh, cassette recorders. We had the whole nine yards. And we had an EVP that picked up at the exact same timestamp on every single piece of equipment that recorded audio that night. And that just blew my mind. And wow. it told us to get out. That's what it said in a whisper. It was hmm. like, get out. And you want to talk about sending chills through your entire body whenever you're sitting there listening back to this and you find on every single piece of equipment that is recorded audio, the same thing, the, the same being said the same way. It wasn't like it was multiple times. It was all, it was like this, this, whatever said it was present throughout that entire house, which was humongous. And it, it just it sent all of us into into chills and like oh my god that's insane right there. That would make me you know do uh, the next thing. I would get out. I would just. <laughs> I, I mean, look, I, 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 I've skywatched. I, I've done a lot of things that are, they are, creep me out. But when I hear something say get out, I, I'm getting out. I'm just saying I. I right. I value who, uh, your work because I would not stay there personally. <laughs> well, I guess that's the good thing about EVPs is, I mean, you know, most of the time you don't even hear it until you're done and you're back listening to your stuff. Now, if we would have heard it that night, yeah, we probably would have been out the door, you know, leaving a nice little note like we're sorry for interrupting whatever you had going on. We apologize. Mm-hmm. We will not be back. <laughs> but the the new tenants know that they're not welcome either, whatever you want. Cause I mean, don't follow me where I'm going. Don't follow me where I'm going, please. (laughs) Exactly. 
Exactly. But, I mean, I had EVPs, too, that, you know, they were almost comforting in a way, you know, just mm. the way the response was or the voice you picked up. We picked up music once in a playhouse. Um, it sounded like somebody strumming on a guitar. There was nobody there with a guitar. There was nobody playing a guitar. Nobody brought a guitar. So how did we record? And I play the guitar, so I'm yes, pretty sure I know what a guitar sounds like. And it was. It was like three short little strums on the guitar, and that was that was all it was. And, you know, it's. I mean, again, the things you pick up with them on EVPs. But now one thing I will say I recommend, never do it in your own house. Mm. Yeah, never, excellent. ever. Yeah, that's an excellent thing to recommend. Uh, and that that's something I definitely that and don't play with Ouija boards. Yeah, yeah, dude. I mess with those because they will. They will oh my goodness! Freak you out. I'll, I'll tell you, I had an experience with a Ouija board, Jeremiah, when I was a kid. I was maybe about twelve. I was at a cousin's house, and uh, he, my cousin was about maybe fifteen or fourteen. At the time, we were not separated by much. And uh, there was a neighbor there from uh, right next door who was maybe in his early 20s, a couple other folks. And my cousin busted out with a Ouija board. There was uh, his brothers who wasn't there and uh, mother cousin. And we started messing around with the Ouija board. And I was like, nah, this is nonsense. And they sell this for kids in the kids' section at Toys R Us. <laughs> now, by the way, Toys R Us, rest in peace. There's another, you know, thing that's gone since we first met. Uh, but they used to sell Ouija boards in the kids section. It's a Mattel made product. Yeah. They would sell it next to the Barbies. I know because I frequently went through the aisles with Barbie dolls. Don't ask me why. They're right next to the My Little Pony. Don't ask me why. <laughs> but I would, you know, as a kid, I would be like, this is just weird. But the Ouija, what the hell is a Ouija board? And I asked, and my cousin was like, oh, I got one of those. And, you know, we were talking about paranormal stuff. As a kid, I've always been intrigued with the paranormal. And he brought out a Ouija board, and I had a really bad experience. And ever since that moment, I was like, yeah, I'm never messing with Ouija boards. Now, I don't know if they were messing with me or it was just some kind of, you know, one-up me because I was, you know, a kid. I don't know what was going on. Uh, maybe they were moving it. Maybe I was drunk. I don't know. But i tell you what. That thing uh, said certain things that uh, freaked me out at, at the time. And I said I'm never messing with the evil darkness that comes from those wretched plastic cardboard things called a Ouija board and I never bought one, never used one again and I am, you know, I'm not uh, normally a fearful fella I can't go into like, abandoned buildings and not get scared that, that often but that literally like, scared the shit out of me man. to the point I, I, I want nothing to do with Ouija boards. Have you had any experiences similar to that with Ouija boards at all? Uh, yeah man, those things can definitely freak you out. We messed around with them when we were little, and uh, I definitely agree. Why in the world they're in the board game section of the toys? Yeah. It just blows my mind because that's not a toy. I've seen no. things with them. It's like, no, there's something to them. And now <clears throat> there was a conference that I spoke at back in the days when I've done in the dark and these uh, this one group did this really cool experiment with a Ouija board, and what they had. Uh, 
planchette, which is what you put your fingers on, the little tear shape thing. Right. And uh, they they had one specifically designed that would register pressure and how much pressure was being put on it when it moved. And ah man, there was less pressure on that thing when it moved than if you were sitting there with it. And that is scientifically backwards. There should be more pressure if you're pushing something with your fingers, Correct. obviously. Right. And this thing was like hard. It definitely was resting. Everybody was just barely resting their fingers on it. And it was moving all over the place. And definitely that night, if any other time I had ever messed with a Ouija board, it was like, okay, there is something to this more than just being a board game that Mattel sells to people as if you can contact the spirit world. You're messing with something. Don't know what, what it is. Things behind. I mean, again, you get into the possibilities. Is it a world or is it a, some kind of manifestation of your own thoughts? Um, you know, which again, I believe is highly possible. So, you know, either way it goes, spooky. Oh, I tell you what, and I've often thought this: uh, if it is some kind of a, a spirit or entity or, or or anything like that. It almost has to be demonic, and the way I, 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 the reason I say this is because if heaven's a real place, right, and heaven exists and hell exists, mm -hmm. and most folks are, you know, are good and they're going to heaven, uh, leap of faith, I know, because most folks are scumbags. Not all, uh, but there's a lot of you out there. We know that. And I, I've been guilty of doing, of doing scumbaggery things in my day. Uh, you know, everybody, nobody lives in glass house. You know, we've all done our dirt. Uh, but if, you know, if God forgives us all and we're all welcome into the kingdom of heaven, except of course when you're a, a rapist, killer, a pedophile, or you work for the church, because they're kind of all in one, uh, unless you're one of those guys, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, you're going to heaven, right? It's, it's a wonderful place. There's clouds, there's birds, there's little angels with trumpets singing, and they're floating in, right. in, in and it's like that movie with uh, with Robin Williams, uh, where dreams may come, and you're floating, and it's a beautiful <laughs> place, right? And God's this loving entity who, mm -hmm. for some strange reason, uh, hates gay people. I don't understand that because you know God's never wrong. He made everybody, everything. But you know, you're you're in this in, in this eternally blissful nirvana. Uh, you know, who would stay behind on this shitty place? The bad ones, right? Maybe the people who did. Hey, you're not welcome right. here. So I've, I've often thought, you know, yeah, don't mess with that because chances are you're not really contacting cousin, uh, you know, Barney, who passed away 25 years ago. You might be contacting <laughs> some kind of demonic being uh, that's going to say, uh, yeah, I'm Barney. And, uh, how you doing there, cousin? And they're going to lead you that's into right. ways that are probably not very pretty. If, if it's real. I mean, that's yeah. why, that's one of the reasons why I stay kind of away from that. But, I, you know, I, I am always intrigued, uh, to watch videos on YouTube and, and listen to shows that deal with EVPs and stuff. And the YouTube stuff, you know, nowadays it's creepy, but a, a lot of the stuff, you know, being that I, I want to do film also, I know a lot of, you know, tricks are done in, right, in camera. Exactly. And it's really hard to take, you know, stuff like that you see on YouTube 
with, you know, any seriousness sometimes because you gotta have to have a really huge grain of salt whenever you watch anything on, on YouTube because there's so many con artists out, out there and that's really sad in the paranormal community. And I know on your show, Shadows in the Dark, uh, you really took a stab at establishing at least, um, you know, a continuity of, well, I'm not taking one side or the other, let the audience decide. But, you know, I, I do like the, the fact that you took a high road when it came to, like, criticizing. But now, it's, since you've done the show, it's gotten so widespread, the fakery and the fraud, that it's almost like it, it makes you get angry when you see some something that's clearly, you know, BS or made up. And, and, I mean, as a person who, you know, interviewed hundreds of people at this point where there's paranormal ufology. When I see something clearly that it's fake, I get really upset. Have you been angered to the point yet, I mean, that you've really, like, looked at it and said, my goodness, I have to come back to radio and just start pointing this crap out because I I know what's real, I know what's not, I can tell. And I know you can tell because you're a very educated person. It's it's definitely tempting, you know, because you do see it, and it kind of goes back to you know we were talking about earlier about how everybody you know the likes and the dislikes and it's like what everybody shoots for, and you know, that's what brought a lot of that on is is especially when you can monetize it, and yeah. you've got people making millions oh, of yeah. providing content, and yep. all they have to really do is just get the viewers. It's, it's it doesn't matter the quality of the content. It doesn't matter. The, if it's true or, or not, it's just who puts eyeballs on it, and boom, you're a millionaire. So mm-hmm. the integrity is really lost in what a lot of these, you know, paranormal investigators or para talk shows, and even some of these other ones, uh, you know, along those lines, have tried to do for years. Now, I mean, you've always had people like that. There's no doubt. You've always had people tricking people. I mean, it's. Probably, you know, it's among some of the oldest professions is to trick people for money. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it, it's amplified by so much because everybody has a computer in their hand. You know, your phone. It's not a phone anymore. It's a computer. You just happen to be able to yep. make calls from it. You know, we used phones back when we were young that you push the buttons on, you know, and you had a... You know, when you bought it, you had a five-foot cord, but you had to buy the hundred-foot cord so you could walk around the <laughs> house with it. Yes, uh, you know. Man, I remember. I remember when having a phone in your room was like the cool thing, and you would tell everybody, oh "I got my own phone line in my bedroom." What do you have? That's right. I, I got man, nothing. I remember when I'm I so much cooler parents, than yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, man. When we, because yeah, my parents did that. They got us our own phone line. We thought we were just awesome. You know, and we were, I was laughing about this the other day because one, I mean, a complete change of subject here, but, uh, you know, cell phone bills are very high. I I mean, people, you know, $100 a month for a phone. If you get a couple, two, three, four hundred dollars. And somebody was grumpy, like, this is crazy. You know, my phone bill wasn't never this high a long time ago. I was like, you know, step back and think for a minute. Back in the, the days before cell phones, you know, start there first. If you made a long distance call, yeah, your cell phone would be three, four hundred dollars. Now your long distance is included. It doesn't matter who you call. It's going to be the same. And then also remember, then when cell phones did come out, well, you had to wait till nine o'clock to talk, or you're going to lose all your minutes and your bill's going to skyrocket. 
Yep. You know, but now you walk any time of the day and your bill will stay the same. So it's like you're almost like you're prepaying for everything that you didn't prepay for 20 years ago. So it's like it's not that your bill's higher. It's just like everything's built into it now. The telephone is for, you know what, let's not wait for people to do it. Let's just go ahead and charge them for it and give them the ability to do so if they wish to. Not only that, I think folks don't understand uh, just how much it costs to get technology this advanced. It reminds me of a comedian. Uh, I can't remember his name, but he made a, there was a comedian that made a joke about an airline who, uh, you know, this is back when the Internet uh, was still in its heyday, in its early days, and how it was the first time that an airline had active Internet on the air. And uh, he, he found it funny that he was traveling with, uh, I think it was his uncle or, or something, and they were all excited to be the, one of the first flights, if not the first flight, that actually had the internet working, so you could be on a, on a laptop. Mind you, this is before the the mobile phone explosion of the last uh, five years yeah. or ten years. Uh, but uh, and he said that his uncle was you know excited. He was excited that finally we have internet on a flight. And then like ten minutes into it, it got kind of shaky and the internet went down for like fifteen minutes. And the uncle was like, "Oh, this is a piece of crap." This doesn't, it's garbage. <laughs> and he's like, sir, you understand that just an hour ago, this is technology that you didn't even know existed. You came on this flight, not even knowing that this was going to happen. You're a part of history, and you're already complaining about it. I mean, are, you, are you serious? Enjoy oh, the fact man. that you have internet in the sky. We're so much more right. advanced. I mean, now yeah. everybody has, you can walk around with your dog and you have more technology in, your, in the palm of your hand than we had when we went to the moon, Jeremiah. That's amazing. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I mean, today when, you know, something comes across that you're not, you don't know about, all you have to do is Google it. I mean, the things I learned That's from it. Googling, <laughs> I mean, yeah. honestly, a lot of my show would not have existed if Google didn't exist uh-huh. because I would have had to go to the library. I would have to, you know, drive, waste gas and all this to figure out this <laughs> stuff. But, I mean, I did all my engineering to design work because uh, I learned Photoshop from Google. Yeah, yeah. Side together to learn email from sitting there in front of Google. I mean, <laughs> the list goes on and on. I even put, which I haven't had to do a resume in a but the last time I had to put a turn a resume for a job or a job interview, it says in my education, the, the, the community college of Google, I really I put it in there because I fully believe that there is a truth behind that, that with this access we have, I mean, as much as the Internet also opens up a lot of issues issues and brings a lot of things, a lot of problems, but there's also very good things that come from and I believe, in, in before you know it, Google will start issuing some kind of degree if you can prove you learned something through Googling it. You know, why not? I believe I deserve a couple of degrees at least. from Google the University. Google the it's years. coming. <laughs> I'm yes. telling you. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's it's funny you I, say I mean, that, but uh, Google controls it. People don't understand this. <laughs> not only do they control the search engine, right? I mean, they're the, they're the top dog. But I mean, their technology is 
mind-boggling because it's controlling really most of the world at this point, and eventually Google is going to be everywhere. If it's not there already, uh, uh, people just think, ah, oh, it's just a search engine. No, Google is one of the nice. top, if not the top company in the world right now. Think about that. Absolutely, and... You know, I, I don't, and you know, I always hate kind of saying, you know, well, most people don't know, but you never know how many people know. But you know, definitely there are people out who don't realize there are very few companies who own all of the other companies in the world. Like YouTube is owned by Google, Instagram yep. owned by Facebook. You know, etc. Yep. The list goes on and on. If you ever, you can pull up a list of all the companies that Google own, and it would absolutely blow your mind because you're like, "Why well, didn't realize they own that?" And you use it every day. You know, these <laughs> large corporations are are such a big part in our lives. We don't realize how much they truly are because we see them as separate companies because they're branded different, but they're all still owned by the same company. It, that you know, it's funny that I got into that same conversation with my pops, who didn't know that Kentucky Fried Chicken was owned by Pepsi, and they had to tell Pepsi right. that Pepsi and Coke own everything. Also, when it comes to food, we we're sitting at a KFC, and my dad was like, mm-hmm. "I like the uh, chicken here at KFC more than I like the Taco Bell chicken." I'm like, "That comes from the same places. They're owned by the same exactly. people." Exactly. He did. It's, a, well, it's see, the same here, chicken. <laughs> Yeah, said I don't know if y'all have them down there, but like even here, right down the road from me, there's a KFC Taco Bell. It's all you go in. One half of the menu is KFC, one half of the menu is Taco Bell. Because again, it's owned by the same company, so now they're just trying to cut costs. The best one, the the, the best one is uh, the best one is one that has Pizza Hut also in it. By the way, the the three in one. Yes. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I mean, it, it is amazing how many. You know, corporations or how many few corporations own all the comp- other companies, which is, in my opinion, some of our issues in in today's world in, in terms of poverty and the the you know the the right to have a enough money to survive because there's too much control in that money. There very few people at the end of the day. I mean, that's always kind of been part of uh, of this country's, uh, you know, motif, though. I mean, look what happened with uh, Blockbuster Video when they came out. They destroyed the video industry. Mm-hmm. What happened years later? Netflix, right. Redbox, and the funny story behind that, Netflix offered uh, to sell to Blockbuster for about a million or a couple million dollars, and Blockbuster just had launched Blockbuster Online, and they were kind of doing the same Kind of similar thing where they're going to start shipping out movies if you order them through the mm-hmm. internet, but then Netflix was like, "Well, we'll sell you our product, and you know you can use our, our and it's yours." And if Blockbuster would have done that, then they probably would still be around today. But they're like, "Nope, we're good. Don't worry about it." So what did Netflix do? Bam, blew up, took them out of business. There's always a bigger fish. A technology keeps there on going is. and moving. Amazon, look what it's done to retail. Retail's dead. Why? Because oh my you can, God. You can tell a home order on Amazon if you're an Amazon Prime member like I am. Stuff that's in your house in a day or two. It's amazing. But Man, it, they it, deliver so quickly, it is ridiculous. That is insane how yep. fast they get things to you. I mean, I, I mean, there are some things you can order it. That morning, and it'll be to you. Then I mean, like, I mean, I've even heard people get it that same day. 
Yeah, you get hours. close enough to their warehouse and you order yeah. it early enough, boom, it's to you the same day. Yeah, yeah no. and now, Jeremiah, now that they're going to have drones deliver uh, packages to people's homes, yeah. do, you, do you know how crazy they were entering at the time where you're going to have drones deliver packages? No longer people. You don't need a truck. You don't, you don't need the mail. You're going to have an actual ship, a little drone, <laughs> yes. fly a, a box and just drop it off in your lawn and then fly away. That was, when I was a kid, that was science fiction. That's going to happen now. You know, that, I will say that, you know, it it is exciting and worrisome at the same time uh, Mm -hmm. to watch technology grow because we are doing amazing things. And it it is, and and maybe, you know, let's throw out a theory out there, kind of stepping back because, again, I love theories. So we are moving very quickly with technology, which can make time seem to move faster. Right, because we're advancing right. so quick. We think, well, oh man, it's going to be years before we see that, and boom, it's next year. Um, that we think, you know, this technology is not going to exist yet, but then all of a sudden, boom, it, it's, you know, uh, unveiled to the world. Oh, we can do this now. Um, and, and it's absolutely nuts to, to see how fast we are going and to even think five years from now where we're going to be. I, I would say even back in like the 80s and 90s saying five years from now I would not I would not envision that much technology but today five years from now it, it'll almost be like a completely different world because of yep. how much new technology comes out and how much these companies are pressing for it um, which means you've got to be you know kind of back to blockbuster if you're not willing to change or you're not willing to see in the future as you build your business you're going to die your business is going to just fall off the face of the earth because you're not going to keep up with the people who do see that and who do envision, well, what can we do in five years that's revolutionary? Exactly and that's what's right. amazing. That's, we're moving so fast with it. Like Arbel said, my friend, it's the quickening. It's happening all around yeah. us. It could be the Mandela effect. Uh, Jeremiah, I, I, I know we've <laughs> run over the, uh, the hour here. I know you're, you're a busy family man. God bless you, man, for being here with me. And, uh, uh, you know, you're also a singer, songwriter, uh, business owner, like, uh, like, like we've mentioned. Uh, is there any website, uh, links you want to, uh, put out there so people can follow you, follow your, what you're doing today? Uh, please go ahead and give away, man. Anything you want to talk, anything you want to talk about? Oh, right, yeah. The, uh, the only website I really got going right now, I do, uh, I, you know, a lot of this that I've always been into, uh, history is always important. Um, so I've, I've got an online store where I sell vintage and nostalgic items. To me, it's preserving history and, and you know, and getting bringing people's memories back up. And this, the the um, the store is called Almost Unused. Uh, it's you can visit it. It's Etsy, uh, Etsy.com. They don't just do crafts. You can also sell vintage stuff on there. Uh, if you just go to AlmostUnused.Etsy.com. Uh, you can check out all our, our vintage stuff. We got a lot of eighties, nineties stuff, you know, on, on back, some historical things, stuff like that. So that's about the way that, you know, my, my other business, it's just a private, I'm a mail contractor. I haul the mail. So I don't know. I might be driving a drone one day to deliver packages, but <laughs> so, as so long as you're not ticking, as long as it's not a package is ticking, we'll be good. 
That's right. That's right. But no, man, I really appreciate you having me on. This was, this was a blast. And hey, anytime, you know me, I can talk about anything forever and go on for hours because I just, I enjoy talking about the world and what goes on in it and people and what's going on in their minds and my own mind, you know, because I'm just like everybody else and just, you know, trying to get, survive, understand the world, figure out the mysteries behind it. Why am I here? Why are you here? Why do we just keep spinning in a circle around the sun? You know, <laughs> so, you know, it, it's it's always fascinating to, to be able to talk about things like that. i tell you what, my friend, like I said earlier, the uh, Internet and the world of the paranormal needs you. And uh, whenever you're ready to come back, uh, you know, you have a, a home here on PSN Radio. And uh, we definitely want to have you back on, on Inside the Jackal's Head because you're uh, somebody, man, I tell you what, I love talking to you. You're a fascinating person. And, uh, you know, you're, again, one, uh, the main person that got me off a uh, block talk radio. Block talk radio. So I, I will always be grateful for your inspiration uh, to me, to the show, and uh, uh, for believing in a brother. Because back then, I don't think even I believed that this show could go anywhere. And it really hasn't made me rich. But uh, you know what? It's always fun to uh, get on the air and uh, talk to you and other folks uh, who I've made friends with. But you're a top dog here, man. I'll tell you what, you're always welcome to be a, a voice in, inside the jackal's head. And uh, God bless you for being who you are. And your family, uh, lovely folks, uh, take care of them. Stay safe. And uh, come back very soon, man. I want to keep talking to you. I know we're, we're running over time Absolutely. here. Absolutely. I definitely want to have you back on soon. Promise you'll be back soon. Absolutely. No more. Any, anytime. You you just let me know, and I will make the time for it. No more six-year hiatus, please. <laughs> like I said, you you tell me when, and, and I'll be there as long as there's nothing pressing. Thank you, sir. God bless. Have a great evening. I appreciate it. You too. Take care, Take care brother. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the world-famous, world-renowned Jeremiah Greer, and uh, this has uh, been a uh, an, an amazing episode of Inside the Jackal's Head. Uh, guys, gals, uh, this will be live on psn-radio.com uh, probably within the next few hours. I'm going to uh, post it again so you can hear the replay, not live, but the replay of the show. It will be on the website and on SoundCloud within probably a few minutes if you want to download it, if you missed it, and you're just catching up maybe the last little bit, uh, if you missed the entire episode. We went through a lot tonight, and uh, the guest was awesome as usual. Jeremiah Greer, check out, again, his website, his uh, store. It's on www.etsy.com forward slash shop, S-H-O-P, forward slash Almost unused, that's A-L-M-O-S-T-U-N-U-S-E-D, almost unused, all one word. Look up the website, it's vintage uh, goodness, check them out, uh, you know, buy some of the products, man, I'm sure you're going to go through there and look at what he has on there, you're going to love some of that stuff, so... Uh, check out the website again, and uh, we'll be back next week with another fascinating uh, show, another fascinating individual. We have Mr. Robert Morningstar coming back to Inside the Jackal's Head. Uh, Robert Morningstar, a brother at arms. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of politics. As we're doing here a lot, we're going to talk about uh, you know, stuff that's happening in the world of ufology, paranormal again. 
we're going to touch on that. Robert Morningstar, somebody like Jeremiah, who's been a friend for uh, many years and is uh, somebody who has, uh, as soon as I decided I was going to do this show, I wanted to have him back on immediately because he's, uh, like Jeremiah Greer, an amazing individual. And check out Robert Morningstar on Google and YouTube. He's all over the place. Jeremiah Greer should be all over the place. He should be on the podcast. Damn it, I miss you know hearing from him. We're gonna have him back on soon, and hopefully he's on as regular, uh, just like Mister Morningstar. I want to have him on as regular, and Steve Bassett. We're gonna have uh, for sure reach out to him and then try to get him back on here on the show as regular. And uh, we're gonna explore a lot of different things on the show, not just UFOs and paranormal. Again, a lot of politics, some sports. So keep coming back 